the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We arrive today at the Sunday of Septuagesima. We get here every year, three Sundays before we begin Great Lent. You may have noticed some of the differences around here because we are entering into what is called pre-Lent. Three Sundays where we are to prepare ourselves to walk through obediently and in cooperation with God through Great Lent and the journey through Christ and with Christ to His Passion and His Resurrection. Septuagesima, if you remember, Septua meaning 70. So we are roughly 70 days until we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You notice we are in violet, as we will be in Lent, and that will remain through Lent. You'll notice some things beginning to be pulled away as we strip ourselves away, setting the tone for Great Lent. There was no Gloria sung today. Everything is in simple tone, a different Kyrie, much more simple. We are preparing ourselves. That is the purpose of these next three weeks. And on Septuagesima, we hear the words of St. Paul from 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. And he teaches us, Do you not know that those who run a race run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. And bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. You hear that? This is the Apostle Paul. I see him as a man of faith. I see him as a man of righteousness. And he is bearing his soul before the church and saying, let me tell you how I run this race, because we all must run this way. I Paul, the apostle, called by our Lord Jesus Christ, given the vision of the resurrected Jesus for my salvation and for yours. I, Paul, tell you, I discipline my body. I bring it unto subjection, lest what I preach, lest I be disqualified. You know, he's using in his love for athletics, which Paul had, He's using a great example, using a lot of athletic terminology. He's saying that we have here an image of a runner running in a great race, a competitive race. And there's only one thing that's in the runner's mind. And every runner that's going to compete in that race, they all have the absolute same thing in their mind. And that is to obtain the prize by the winning of the race. We have two Super Bowl teams playing tonight each with a 53-man roster. And I promise you that the bulk load of those 53 on each team have lived their lives most of the year, every year, disciplining their mind, disciplining their body, and conditioning themselves, meaning they are not eating what they want to eat. They're not always drinking what they want to drink. They're not always staying up as late as they want to stay up. What are they doing? They are disciplining their body 
all to run for what this game will provide if they win. Do you get that? This is the image that St. Paul is using. And he says that everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. And that word temperate is critical for us to understand. Because that word temperate means they are self-controlled in all things, in everything, in every way. In fact, the Greek word that Paul uses for temperate here when he's teaching, it is actually most commonly used in dealing with athletics and the self-control that athletes must have. In fact, if you do a word study on this word, you find this, that while preparing for the competition for the games, the athletes abstain using self-control from unwholesome foods, overindulgence of alcohol, anything that would hinder the body from being in top performance at the time and the duration of the race. And it is this fruit of the Holy Spirit, self-control, that our Lord wants to speak to us about today and build in us throughout Great Lent for every day of our lives. St. Paul continues. Now the athletes do it to obtain a perishable crown, a non-eternal crown, something that will crumble at some point. But we run a race for an eternal, an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run like this, not with uncertainty. In other words, not with pointlessness do I do things. I know what I'm doing. I know what I must do. I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Why? Because St. Paul is running a race for the salvation of his own soul. The salvation of others. To remain in Christ that he might inherit every benefit of the kingdom of God, both in this time and the time to come, which is eternity. He disciplines through self-control his body, and he brings it into subjection. And that word subjection, another very important word. It's as if Paul is saying this, that Paul forces his flesh, that is, the parts of him that war against his own salvation. The parts of him that war against the eternal experience of the blessed and peace-filled union with God. He forces his flesh to be subject to the will of God. And no longer to the sin nature and the cravings of the flesh. Because St. Paul knows this and he's teaching us this. And we know this reality. That either in any moment of our lives, any season of our lives, either we will be slaves to the sin nature, which produces destruction to the soul, and should we continue in them the death of the soul, we'll either do that, or we will subject our lives by living in the God-graced self-control. We will subject ourselves to the will of God that brings about every experiential benefit of the kingdom of God. Now it must be noted that self-control is listed, and I said it already, as one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. This same apostle teaches in Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <coughs> self-control. But what does it mean that self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit? To understand that to perfection, we go back to John chapter 15 when our Lord Jesus Christ gives the parable of the vine and the branches. Because in the parable of the vine and the branches, he uses horticultural language to teach these people and they would understand this. He says, I am the vine. Picture the vine. You are the branches. You are the dead and lifeless branches. What he does is he engrafts us into himself. And he says, those who remain in me and I in them bear much fruit. What happens in this horticultural experience? The life sap of a living vine flows into a dead and lifeless branch. And it brings it back to life again. Not only does it bring it back to life, the branch begins to bear the fruit of the what? The vine. If we are remaining in our Lord Jesus Christ, cooperating Him in the union and relationship that He has given, the Holy Spirit will flow from Him into us. And we will begin to come back to life. And we will begin to bear the fruit of the vine. My friends, I say this lovingly. If we are passionately chasing the excesses of this world and constantly stumbling into sin and not growing in self-control. By living in the union we've been offered with God, it is a wake-up moment. It is a loving moment wake-up moment to investigate where we are, cast our eyes back upon Christ, and place ourselves in Him again in these ways that we might bloom with self-control because that will be the result of one who lives in union with Christ. You know, athletes, when they are preparing for the race or preparing for the competition, they may have to focus on different things in their athleticism, in their bodies. For example, if they're lacking endurance in their lungs, they're going to increase their cardiovascular exercises. They're going to run a bit more, perhaps long distance as well as sprints. They're going to perhaps swim, and that will increase the endurance factor in their lungs. If they lack flexibility, they're going to stretch in certain ways and go through stretches with weights, without weights that create the greater flexibility they need to be of utmost, uh, utmost uh, competition level. If they lack strength, they're going to change their diet. They're going to up their weights little by little over time to gain in strength for the competition that is before him. So if we are longing to grow in self-control, as a spiritual athlete, so to speak. What do we do? What does Christ prescribe to us for the blossoming of self-control in our lives? Well, what are we preparing for in Lent? What do we do in Lent? Say it. We fast. 
We do more than fast, but I want to focus on fasting. Fasting is the spiritual discipline that Christ has given us that when we engage it, touched by the grace of God, always through fasting, we grow in blessed self-control. And we have to trust this. And we've said this many times here, both in church and in Sunday school, that if Jesus Christ, if the Holy Trinity created mankind in a certain way, knows how the soul, the body, the emotions function, then we have to trust that God knows how to heal the human person. That He has the prescriptions in His wisdom that will heal us and bring us into Himself. So if He says that during Great Lent we fast and we fast in a certain way, and occasionally at other times throughout the year, we have to trust that if we will walk in that prescription, something will occur in us that will transform us into His image. And fasting is the antidote for a lack of self-control. I want to offer you two reasons that the church gives for fasting and how it produces self-control in the lives of every living stone. First is this. First of all, to fast is to put into practice obedience to God. Obedience to our loving Father. Because Christ directs us to fast, again, we believe He is directing us to do so in order that we may be made whole and grow in self-control. Therefore, if Christ directs that, we trust Him and His love for us and we follow what He says. We walk in obedience, putting aside a little bit of food in order that we might deny ourselves the cravings of the flesh. Think about what happens when we fast. Those of you who have done the fast best you can, we're told we are not to eat anything before noon, Monday through Saturday. Well, if you're like me and you get close to noon, you feel something. Why? Because we're used to eating that morning. The body is responding, telling us, you're not giving me what I'm used to. But in obedience, we offer that to God. And guess what? By the end of the day, though we felt a little awkward, a little down maybe, we lived. We survived. Why? Because we live in excess. We are used to excess. And God is wanting to bring us back to the point of recognizing I am truly the only thing that you need for your life and for your salvation. Secondly, fasting helps us discern what we really need in every aspect of our lives. If we can put away a little bit of food and realize God graces us feeds us with Himself, and sustains us throughout the day, that we can deny the cravings of the flesh of a little bit of food in the mornings and some types of food. That perhaps the grace of God is at work in us where that temptation comes against us, that we have learned to crave that is other than God. Now we've grown in the spiritual fruit of the Holy Spirit of self-control and can put it asunder and cling tightly 
to God and His love for us. It is through fasting, starting with the body. And by the way, that discerning between the cravings of the flesh and what we really need. Do you not realize that the reason we fast goes all the way back to the first sin in the Garden of Eden? What was the point of deception in the Garden of Eden? It was food. It was the fruit that hung from the particular tree that God said, don't eat of. And what was Satan's deception? It wasn't just eat the fruit because he wasn't after just mere disobedience. He wanted to cause disobedience by deceiving humanity that they need more than God for sufficiency. They need more than God to become like God. That's why Satan said, if you eat of this fruit, surely you will become like God. It was a deception away from the truth for Adam and Eve because the truth was that God walked and talked with them in the Garden of Eden. He fellowshiped with them. He had created everything for them and he lavished himself upon them. The deceit was God is not sufficient. I have to have something else. My friends, that is the crux of all of our besetting sins. The deception that in something else other than God we will find sufficiency. You get that? Through the blessed fast, the Holy Spirit is at work developing the fruit of the Holy Spirit of self-control. Without self-control, my friends, we're hurting to gain salvation because that's how we cooperate with God to put aside that which is evil and cling to the loving righteousness of God and become like him. May our fast be blessed and may you take these next few weeks to prepare yourselves remembering fasting is not legalistic. Fasting is not pointless. It's a loving prescription by God designed to save you by the growth of self-control. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.